0: When you're up against the networks that have been engaged in a regime change coup against Donald Trump for four years, you're dealing with the CIA assassins, the NSA spies. Uh, You're you're dealing with people who are very evil and nasty people. You you look at someone like Brennan, who met with Obama every Tuesday to plan out which civilians they were going to kill in the Middle East with drones. The Washington Post is saying this is part of the democratic reform that has to go on. Get rid of the role of the legislators. Get rid of the role of Congress. Um, You have to have universal registration. That is, states and local governments have nothing to do with registering voters and mass mail-in voting. You know, what, what we're seeing is the end of a system. That's what we're really dealing with.
1: If you have not been looking at C60 as a means to significantly improve your health and your immunities, you should be. Here's why. First, a strong and healthy immune system is your body's first defense. And for those with a strong immune system, your body will adequately fight illnesses without medical intervention. Second, C60 is safe as long as you're taking a high quality C60 with no added fillers or solvents. Third, C60 is the best means of removing free radicals from your body that exist. It's at least 200 times better at this function than vitamin C and any other antioxidant. This is the magic. When you free up your body's resources from fighting free radicals, they then can focus their attention on healing. Every person has different needs, but the magic begins when your body can start to heal. So now it becomes clear, you need the best free radical fighter that exists, and that is C60 with blackseed oil and curcumin. Go to sarahwessel.com slash shop and learn more about why this formula is so powerful. Also available by diffuser with ultra ultra refined C60 oil to safely get directly into your lungs. It's also the best way to help your family pets by just being in the same room. Be sure to read the research and, of course, use the current coupons to save money when you buy. Patrons also receive a 10% discount. You can find that code at patreon.com slash Remember, keeping you and your family safe is the most important thing you can do. You
0: know, what? what we're seeing is the end of a system. That's what we're really dealing with. And the Chinese, in their own way, recognized this sooner than, than people in the United States did. We were living on borrowed time. You know, we, we were building up huge debts. We were living off the uh, uh, cheap wages of foreign countries. You know, the so-called supply chains, well, that was providing us with cheap goods so we could, didn't have to spend so much for what we needed. It was a, a, a phony existence. And it made Americans soft and expecting that everything would continue to go our way. Now, while that was going on, I mentioned Walt Riston. His book, Twilight of Sovereignty, came out, I think, in 1990. He's one of the key people, along with Alan Greenspan, who was involved in destroying the banking regulations that were set up during the Depression, like Glass-Steagall. Uh, like the protection of, of savings and loans and, and these kinds of institutions. You remember in the 1980s, those were destroyed. And why were they destroyed? People were saying, well, you're not making as much money as you could from your house as a, an investment. For Americans of my father's generation, a house was for the family to live in. It wasn't seen as an investment. If you made money on it, fine. But it was you wanted to have good communities. You wanted to have... Moral citizens, and you wanted to have a stake in the community. There was foundation to this country. And they started playing us with this consumer card that you've got to buy more. You've got to go into debt. Don't worry about the debt. You can always pay it off later. If your house keeps appreciating, you can do a second mortgage and pay down all your debt today. And then, of course, you're going to have more debt tomorrow. But don't worry about it because your house will keep appreciating. That's the bubble economy, the casino economy that we bought into, that Americans bought into. Now, if you're a country like China, where people are desperately poor in the 60s and the 70s, they don't buy into that. They're beginning to experience what it means to have a certain amount of uh, physical comfort in their lives. Uh, They could be turned against the United States, and if we keep doing what we're doing, they probably will be.
1: Well, and that's the problem is is that we have to mutually understand that our true enemy is this globalist cabal. We could, they could easily turn China, which is we, they are very close to it, if not already there, turn China into our biggest enemy. When our real enemy is this globalist satanic cabal, they want to solve world hunger by killing most of us. They want to solve. Uh, global warming by, uh, you know, killing most of us. us. I mean, that's what they're trying to do.
0: Well, that's why I say it's satanic. But then this is where you have to get to the question of who is the real enemy. It's not just the globalists. There are centers of power that make the policies. And I'll just identify them very clearly, because I know now more than ever That Lyndon LaRouche was right all those years when he said, you have to look at Great Britain, not the English people, because they're victims of the same thing. But the three-pronged head of Satan is the monarchy, it's the city of London, and it's the intelligence services of Britain. The intelligence services do not operate under control or, or authority of parliament, but directly under the monarchy. And the monarchy has an agency called the Privy Council, which is all the lords and the, the leading bankers of the city of London and, and the globalists. And one of the members of the Privy Council was brought up by Sidney Powell, and she got pounced on for this, namely Lord Malik Brown of Smartmatic Voting Systems. Yep. Lord
1: Malik Brown is now in charge of George Soros's open yeah society foundation. It's not that
0: ironic that as we were exposing him as Soros's buddy, Soros, that just shows how much contempt Soros has for the people. They don't even care. It, yeah. Now, Malik Brown has a whole history of running regime change operations. That was his calling card. He's probably George Soros's controller rather than the other way around, because Soros is a functionary of this British banking system. But Malik Brown was uh, in the Philippines in the 80s when they got rid of Marcos, and he bragged about running a regime change operation. Now, Smartmatic is one of the companies that was targeted by Sidney Powell in the vote fraud. And what happened? All of a sudden, we, she was told, no, go after China. It's the Chinese. Now, one thing that, that people should be sharp enough to figure out, how could the Chinese... Shut down the vote counts in six states between ten and twelve o'clock on election eve There's no lever that they have to do that that's done by operatives in this country
1: but it seems that that even the patriots are infiltrated to say it's the chinese but that's i mean it is sort of the Chinese they're using the Chinese and their tools. But it's it's really not. It's
0: it's a diversion, though. It's the classic case of saying, oh, don't look here. Look over there. Yep. The evidence, for example, that we put together and, you know, you and I have done a number of these programs where I've gone through the role of the British in running Russiagate.
1: But I want to get above the British because I want to ask you some questions about the British. But keep going, because I think it's even the British is their main tool. But I think so keep going. And then I want to ask ask you some questions above British. But go ahead.
0: Well, I'm going to talk about that because, you know, these are people who are British, but they're actually what we were talking about, globalists. If you look at the way Britain reconstituted itself after World War II, it was clear that it would never be a dominant military power again. It was clear to the leaders of the city of London, the, the monarchy and so on. So they had to figure out a way to once and for all subordinate the American Republic to the interests of the city of London. And this was the big fight in the organization of the intelligence services in the United States after World War II. Roosevelt had certain people who were very suspicious of the British. Roosevelt had huge fights with Churchill because what he said is that we're not losing American men and women in wars to rebuild the British Empire. And Churchill said, but you have to, that's the world as it is, and Roosevelt said no. What happened is, after Roosevelt died, Truman was very frightened, didn't know what he was doing, and it was, he was prevailed upon to bring in the Special Operations Executive of British Intelligence, the man, the, a man named Sir William Stevenson, to help reorganize the CIA. And who did Stevenson go to? Wall Street, the Harrimans, the Armand Hammer types, uh, the Brown Brothers Harriman, the C. Douglas Dillons. <clears throat> the Rock of City of Wall Street. Yeah, exactly, and that the, the passage from Wall Street to the CIA and back to Wall Street was a common route, and the people who were then posted into Europe, with the Congress of Cultural Freedom and the Frankfurt School and various international organizations, were integrated between London and Wall Street. Harvard was a part of this. People like Zbigniew Brzezinski and Kissinger. Were part yeah. of this network. I mean, Brzezinski was not a controller, but he was the, the author of some of the doctrines that led to the permanent warfare. Who was his uh, uh, mentor? Sir Bernard Lewis, the Orientalist from Oxford. Kissinger, in mm-hmm. 1978, gave a speech at the Chatham House, which is British Intelligence, Royal Institute of International Affairs, which, by the way, in 1918 helped organize the setting up of the Council on Foreign Relations in the United States. Kissinger went to them in 78 and said, when I was Secretary of State, I used British briefing papers to make sure I was on the right track. Now, where else have we seen that? Remember Maggie Thatcher said she she stiffened George H.W. Bush's spine to go into Iraq in 1990? Tony Blair's role uh, and Sir Richard Dierloff, MI6, in convincing Bush, they had the evidence on Saddam's weapons of mass destruction.
1: Bush was kind of a creep too. I mean, he wasn't that. I mean, he was in bed with those guys too. He's, he's, he's an insider. He's them. Yeah, that he's them. No, but this is, I, this is what I. This is what I've been told. Go, go ahead. Yeah, he was part of the killing of uh, JFK. But let me let me ask you, this is what I have been told from other people that have come on the show, that Gezen goes back to farther in history, where there was this, and it probably starts with the Romans, Luciferian cult, they set up the city of Wall Street and stuff, but they took over, what happened is they were actually Luciferians, the Russian czar back in the 1500s or so said, and a couple other leaders of states said, you can't go around and be this. Well, people used to dictate to what religion that you needed to be back then. But they were bad guys. They were they were sacrificing people. They were slaughtering. They were murdering. It was this cult. And they said, you have to pick one of the major religions. And they decided they were going to be Jewish. Now, this isn't the same thing as the actual real Jewish. This is them acting like they were Jewish. And then at the time... They said they, um, or at the time they built up this cult and this stuff, and then they figured out how to take out China and, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Then they, they took, they figured out how to take over the British empire. This was about 200 years later. They took over the British empire. They started infiltrating into other religions at that point too, but they still maintained their centralized cult. They, they had the city of London. Now they had the British empire. And then, um, at that point, they figured out how to take over uh, China and take down the Russian czar. They are always pissed at the Russian czar for what they did back then and forcing them to become Jewish or whatever. They, they no longer are just Jewish. I think that's what gave the Jewish people its bad name, and what still continues today is people who are misinformed because of this historical thing that happened. So anyway, so now they took over all three. And, and three. They took They had the British... And that's their kind of their home base. They took down Russia. They took down um, China. And now this is where we're sitting, where they're trying to take down the United States. That's what I have been told by people from a historical standpoint, from a big picture. And it's really this Luciferian cult, satanic, these people are evil type things. And some of them are technocracies for real. They're just, they they aren't, they're their tools um, they're probably blackmailed and everything, but they're really into technocracy. But at the very top, they're really bad guys. Well, is that accurate
0: in your opinion? I, I, I think in some of... Let me, let me just add to a couple points here.
1: I'm okay if you say it's not right, or you can add to it, make it a richer understanding. Well, do what you need to do.
0: What, what I would say is that the the modern source of evil is Venice. Because after the fall of the Roman Empire... What was done was that Venice became the trading center, the ones that did the trading, the the Venetians like Marco Polo, the ones that went east, the ones that went north. But Venice was a pretty tough place to run an empire from because it's not situated in in such a way that you can do it. But most of what we know as Venetian methods, you know, playing two sides against each other. Uh, Look at what Shakespeare wrote. The Merchant of Venice and Othello were two case studies of English patriots, of what England should not do. These were not, people say the Merchant of Venice was anti-Semitic. No, the whole society was terrible. And Shakespeare wrote these plays as intelligence dossiers to try and inform the leaders of England what they have to avoid. But the problem was, at the same time, you had the Dutch Empire growing. And it was the Anglo-Dutch Empire that took over in 1688 in England. Now, all of these things you're saying in terms of Luciferians, Satanists, uh, murderers, you know, hordes. I mean, the Crusades were an example of this. uh, You had a horror show, but out of that grew the Renaissance. And what was the basis of the Renaissance? The idea that going back to what I would say is real Christianity, that each of us is endowed by our creator with what we call in yes. the United States inalienable rights. What are those rights? What were in the image and likeness of God? The, reform- the Reformation. Well, I'm talking more about the Renaissance right now, the golden Renaissance. of. Late- well,
1: yeah, but I mean, it, it came out of the Renaissance, the whole redefining uh, what religion is really about, redefining well, man- our own personal sovereignty.
0: Yeah, and what man is, and that, that yes. man is inherently good but he has to set up systems that reflect that goodness and the idea of the nation-state came out of the Council of Florence in the 1430s and then again at the end of the Thirty Years War in 1648 because remember just you had these religious warfare that you were talking about actually a hundred years war you had France and England killing each other and butchering each other for years and out of this came the idea of the nation-state but in Europe The old oligarchy and aristocracy was too powerful. And so people came to this country, to the United States, to the the new world, to start over, where you didn't have a landed aristocracy that, that claimed it was in power because of the divine right of kings. And our constitution reflects the best of European civilization in opposition to the worst of European civilization, the oligarchy, the the satanic rituals, and so on. The reason London was so important was because this became the trading center Uh, when it supplanted the Dutch, the, the British East India Company, for example. That was who was working with the monarchy to destroy the colonies. And it was people like Franklin and the young Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, who actually were steeped in European history and philosophy. Uh, Franklin was, was an extraordinary genius and they came up with an idea of how we can have representative self-government if we can keep it and that's why it took so long to craft the Constitution.
1: I do know that you know Thomas Paine and and the writing and getting all that information of the colonists they started to realize the call because even when they came over they didn't realize they could be free. That whole idea was a, was sparked in them because they came to America and they still thought they were under the thumb of the uh, King of England. They were. And <laughs> the monarchy. Well, I, yeah, they were. Sorry, but they, they, the but leading, they
0: mentally or, were. You know, one of the leading issues. Go ahead. Everyone talks about taxation without representation. And that was a part of it. But much more, it was they weren't allowed to be creative entrepreneurs. They weren't allowed to invent. Ex-
1: ex- they weren't ex- allowed, Exactly. And
0: the issue was the British would not allow them to determine how to invest their surplus. That had to be shipped to England.
1: They were mentally and and realistically under the thumb. And so these these great thinkers sparked in the colonists. I, I just did a, a a whole thing on this. Um, sparked in the colonists, which is, is really the American ideal. They sparked in the colonists there that they could be free. For the first time, there was a group of people on a new land although there were there are american indians here too and that's part of our history and we could relook at that but the, for the first time they believed they could be free and that's what happened that's the spark and that's what we're trying to maintain
0: and, but and, go ahead and how they how they defined freedom was important it wasn't license because the the oligarchs were free to do whatever they wanted including immoral acts and uh, pederasty yeah, and sodomy. Which they and so.
1: feel they have now. You know,
0: Jeremy Bentham, who is one of the enemies of the American Revolution, wrote a treatise called In Defense of Sodomy. And when Alexander Hamilton, oh my gosh. when Hamilton was murdered by Aaron Burr, you know where Burr went in London? He moved into Jeremy Bentham's house. Where? Mm. So you had this network in London, that was deployed to suppress the colonies. And the, the question of freedom was defined as being productive, being able to create something from nature that has value added to it so that you actually create a surplus. The British philosophy was the British East India Company, Malthus, people talk about the Malthusians. The idea that there that people are always going to reproduce faster than food supply, so you're always going to have too many people uh, fighting for scarce goods. The American system changed that. We showed that you can create new resources. What we're fighting today with the, the so-called global warming, man-made climate change nuts, is the same issue.
1: But those are the people that are that are hoodwinked, they're brainwashed because the people really behind it, and you can find quotes from these, these gl- uh, central bankers and the Clark, you know, close shop wobs of the world where they're saying it doesn't matter if this globalist, or I'm sorry, it doesn't matter if uh, climate change is real or not. We need to stick with this because it works to do this reset and this change
0: that we need. Well, Prince, they don't care if it's real or not. Prince Philip, I think in 1988 said that if he could be reincarnated, he'd like to come back as a deadly disease to deal with the world population. Ah, yes, I mean that's the mentality of these people.
1: Before we move on, do you think that that there is this group? Or do you think it's a little more complicated than that? Because I, I they, they, they took over the uh, city of London and that area and that infestation of, of evil kind of was out of that area because they took over the British monarchy and they had the city of London for a long time. They took over the British monarchy and then from there conquered these other places. Is that analysis, is that in line with what you how you kind of
0: see things? Well, with with one caveat, which is that the American Revolution was the breaking point in that system. And they knew it because if America succeeded, then they would never be able to continue the same kind of colonial control. Because if you could show that people could live freely, that people could produce outside of the structures of the regulations of the crown, uh, then why would anyone tolerate the crown? And so the British spent the time from 1776 until 1865 trying to recapture the United States militarily, including funding the, the South in the Civil War. Now, the problem after that was that America was becoming too powerful as an industrial nation. And so what did they decide to do? Try to recruit the elites in the United States. And that's where you see the anglophile networks, like the Council on Foreign Relations, the University of Chicago, uh, the Rockefellers, the the Morgan interests. Uh, These were especially banking, finance, real estate, uh, insurance. They were incorporated into this. And then you had people like Cecil Rhodes, who set up a scholarship fund to recruit Americans to become loyal to the British. And look, you have Bill Clinton, you have Susan Rice, you've got Rhodes Scholars all over the place who are part of the enemies of the American system. And the problem is they also control the education system. They took that over. And so most Americans don't know what the American system, which made us unique, is all about. And I was fortunate to, to meet Lyndon LaRouche, who became... the the world's leading expert on Hamilton and the American system. And now what we're seeing is the positive side of the Chinese economic development, which you can't deny there's been economic development there, whether it's all good or it's being used for bad purposes. There has been economic development. They applied Hamiltonian productive methods. That is credit that goes into goods producing and science and technology.
1: But the other thing that that makes them strong is the the central bank they still control. And I, when I was there that's on right. the delegation with Cynthia McKinney, I, when we we were, they had me on the her and me on the table with the um, leader of the Chinese uh, delegation. And that's the one thing that I talked to him about. I talked to him about the banking. I said, "Who owns your bank?" You know, we talked about who owns a bank, and I said, "Never, ever." ever let the central bankers take over your banking system. So if there's one thing that I I said to the Chinese when I was there as a delegation was that, and that's what I talked about. And then Cynthia McKinney was, yeah, don't ever let, I mean, we were both on that. And so, because we just didn't want another group of people to become victims of this very evil cabal. And um, plus it keeps keeps us safer. So um, if they're not under their wing.
0: And, Sarah, let's just go from that for a second back to the Great Reset, because the idea of the Great Reset is that a group of central banks will control the world financial and monetary system and the spending of governments. And they'll use technocrats, namely people who are trained by them, to how to keep a globalist system going at the expense of the people. How to use a global digitalized currency to pay down the debt of insolvent companies, but keep people living on on pennies that will be doled out by the government. The idea they have is that they're finally getting to the point where they can use social media, uh, information technology, you know, fake news, all of these tools they've developed, combined with economic power to eliminate the possibility of any dissension. Now, this goes far beyond the dystopian views of, of 1984 from George Orwell. You don't need a big brother watching you if you're your own big brother, more worried about your likes on Instagram than you are whether you're doing things that are good and moral. Yes. And we've moved into an amoral society. Now. One of the people who recognizes this and who is very eloquent about it is Vladimir Putin. He's talked about the fact that the West has ceased to be Christian, and this is important because to the extent that we get taken over by desire to be popular with a circle of friends, uh, the desire to to look to turn the other way when we see injustice, uh, this is what happens to a society as it goes through The final stages of a collapse. I I saw a quote earlier tonight, I was thinking about the question of what's going to happen with the Congress tomorrow, but what's happening with the American people in general. And the quote is, those who do not move, do not notice their chains. And I think that characterizes much of the, the mentality of those people who are satisfied with where we are. Now, The good news is more and more people are dissatisfied, and they're beginning to figure out that it's not just because they're grumps, but because they're being cheated. We're being denied our heritage of our constitutional republic. And so discussions such as the one you and I are having are absolutely crucial, even where there are disagreements, because it's, it's so important for people to grab onto the sense of themselves as potentially immortal souls who are going to leave a legacy of goodness behind. And we have a country that enables us to do that, to act as citizens, to make the future better, as opposed to being a slave to credit card debt and things of that sort.
1: So what should people do? This, I got to tell you, Harley, this is one of the best shows that we've done. And it's probably because it's such an important time that we're living in and we're really getting to the crux of these things. Yeah. What should people do right now? If they're not in D.C., they need to get to D.C. if they possibly can. If not, what should they do?
0: Well, call your state legislator and call your congressman. Everyone should do that and say, yeah, I don't want this fraud to be allowed. What, what's going to happen tomorrow is that a handful of senators and, and maybe as many as 100, 120 representatives are going to stand up and challenge the vote, the certification of the Biden electoral slate in several states. Essentially, if there are three or four states that are overturned, then Biden loses his electoral college mandate and Trump becomes president. Now, it's not going to be easy because the way the the rules of the Congress work is that if there's an objection of a certain state, then each house has to go into a two hour session to debate it and then decide whether they're going to accept the challenge of those electors or not. And here's the problem. The Democrats control the House, and they're 100% unified. The Republicans control the Senate, but they're very disunified right now. What's well, a blackmail. Uh, it's the blackmail system that we're dealing with. Well, blackmail, and also they're being told we're moving into the post-Trump era. Don't worry about Trump. He's going to be a nobody. He's going to be strung out in the courts for a long time.
1: They care about their own future,
0: too. Yeah, their own, their own money, their own family uh, protection. Uh, and blackmail is a key part.
1: Yes, it is. And that's why being in D.C. and, and letting people know, your, get your voice heard, that that you don't side with this, that we will remember. We will remember who allowed this fraud to go on. We will remember, and we will not vote for you again.
0: And and I would say one other thing, and and some people are saying that this is because I don't want to take on the fight right now. As you know, I've been in this fight for a long time, and I'm not shying away from it. But there's a chance we're going to come out of this next uh, 20-day period with a Biden presidency because of the blackmail, because of the, the cowardice, because of the corruption. But that doesn't mean we've lost the battle. There are some things they're going to try to do. But I can tell you there are some Democrats even that are not going to go along with things like this Washington Post proposal of ripping apart the Constitution. There are going to be both both parties who are going to fight tooth and nail against the Green New Deal, uh, against the uh, uh, putting back in place new trade agreements, new globalist trade agreements.
1: This has woken up Democrats as well. Yes, it has. It it, it can't, because only the most naive doesn't see what's going on right now.
0: 20% of Democrats, I think I saw the figure, 40% think there's something wrong with the election. And it's something like 75% of Republicans. But 20% of Democrats don't believe the totals. I think it's
1: higher than that now. It probably
0: is. That's that's the polls. Exactly. (laughs) But my point is that... You know, optimism doesn't come from burying your head. It comes from looking at the conjuncture that we're facing. There's no way they can solve the problems they've created, whether it's the lockdowns of the pandemics, whether it's the collapse of corporate debt, whether it's the overwhelming personal debt, the foreclosures that are going to come, the evictions. More and more people are going to become radicalized, and by that... I mean, open to figuring out what the hell is going on. And our job is to be there always with as standard bearers for the American system, for the truth, and for fighting for justice. And I think that's what people can take out of this. Amen. Very good. And I, I mean, one, one final point, very quick. I hope President Trump will pardon Julian Assange. I too, too. Because the. This, this ruling of the court in England was typical British doublespeak. Uh, they accept the argument that Assange committed a crime, which he didn't. He's a journalist. He published the truth about the war criminals. They're the criminals. Yep. But the, the idea that now the president doesn't have to do anything because he's not going to be extradited, well, they're going to appeal it. It's going to be in another court, and if President Trump doesn't uh, pardon him, and Trump goes out of office, Biden wants him to rot in jail. No. And it's not just about Julian Assange; it's about the truth. Do we want people to tell the truth to be intimidated, punished, and killed? So when you're when you're doing your to-do list tonight, add to it. Send a note to President Trump, pardon Julian Assange, and Snowden as well. And while you're at it, exonerate Lyndon LaRouche, who was the first real target of this British operation.
1: Well, thank you so much, Harley. How do they reach you? And they need to be listening to you. They need to learn off of your... Look at your library in the back. This man is a wealth of knowledge. How do they reach you?
0: Well, I I want to mention to all your listeners that we have now set up a new website for a variety of reasons, but it's no longer LaRouche Pack. It's now The LaRouche Organization. And that's where my daily updates are posted. But if people want to get in touch with me and uh, directly get from me the link to my blog page, uh, you can always send to my personal email address, harleysch at gmail.com. That's h a r l e y s c h at gmail.com. And Sarah, I have to tell you, you're one of my favorites because. I have more people who are listeners of yours who are in communication with me. You know, People who send an email, they get That's on excellent. the blog, and you know, I receive questions from them, including some good suggestions, occasionally some criticism, which is fine, uh, but I, I really enjoy the give and take because I think it is such a crucial moment and people are open to new ideas and learning and, and realizing that new ideas sometimes come from good old ideas.
1: Yes, well, that's what I like for my listeners, and I say, it's, I don't know everything, but I'm here to learn, and I'm hoping you'll go on this journey with me. And please have an, an a critical mind, but an open mind to learn and to challenge, and to challenge yourself as well. And I think I've been picking up people like that, and I think that's why they work so good, and that's why your interviews go over so well because they are hungry for knowledge and they want to challenge you and and if you can learn from them that's great too cuz i do learn from my my listeners as well as, and and i always say i don't like to always hear some of the criticism but i need it <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> I,
1: we don't like it but we need it
0: we have to stay humble in the eyes of god
1: exactly yes yes thank you very well said well thank you so much harley thanks for everything that you're doing and um i'm gonna work and get this up tonight as soon as i can so thank you again and um until next time i'm sure we're gonna have you on soon after this just get an analysis as we go along
0: okay sir i'm I'm always here for you